0: The London Knights have gone streaking for some time now. Count it 12 consecutive wins and what a run by this organization. We got the whole breakdown from the course of the weekend and a whole lot more. The Night Shift, episode 101, officially past the century mark. Mike Stubbs, Kyle uh, You can follow us on socials at Stubbs980 with two B's at Kyle Gramard. You can follow the podcast on Spotify, Um wherever you get your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Mike, quite a uh, quite an eventful weekend. and, And what a run for the London Knights as of late, who have seemingly been in domination mode, have been crushing opponents left, right, and center, have been putting together arguably their best stretch of hockey all season long and really rounding into form after a trade deadline in which they were early quiet, but maybe that was for good reason it was on full display
1: incredible the london knights are playing incredible hockey we'll talk all about it want to say hi to jessica Had a chance to meet Jessica at Budweiser Gardens on Saturday at a charity event in support of the Mike Harvey Foundation. So, Jessica, thank you for listening to the podcast. It is the chemistry of this team, and it's always been there. The one C word that we've been talking about is consistency, and Mark Hunter has raised that. Well, this team is playing consistent hockey. Look at the last three games. They've outscored their opponents 25-3. to And Kyle, we've got to start with the Saginaw game and we'll get to that because that was one of those games. You look back on a year when a team has success and there will always be games when they go up against another team that is a big team. And this will be this coming weekend as well when they go back to back with the league leading Kitchener Rangers. But there are always those games in 2019-2020. It was the two games against the Ottawa 67s, and we never got to see how that season would finish up, but it may have finished up with Ottawa and London in the OHL Championship Series. But you watched in both of those games, the London Knights raised their level to a level that the Ottawa 67s couldn't reach, and they won both of those games. They were close. They were hard fought but the Knights found a way to win both of them. And there are always those games when you have to raise your level, maybe higher than you've ever raised it before. When your play has to be mistake-free, block shots, finish checks, that's the kind of thing you have to do. And we saw that on Friday. So we'll get to Saginaw in just a moment. We're going to hear from Isaiah George. We're going to hear from Sam O'Reilly. It is also a big day for the London Knights organization and a big start to a week because the Don Brankley London Knights Hall of Fame is being announced. And so we're going to have a special podcast episode for that where you're going to hear from the class of 2024 and hear them tell some stories and we'll have some fun with that. So why don't we look at at some numbers very quickly. Knights have won 12 in a row. This is their longest winning streak as a team since 2018-2019 when we're talking Connor McMichael, Liam Foody, uh, Evan Bouchard. They won 15 in a row and that stretched pretty early on in the season. It actually went from October the 27th to December the 7th. And as fans, we're going to sit back and we're going to count wins. The Knights right now are still going game by game. And I think that's really what has led to this, where they're not getting too far ahead of themselves. That Saginaw game was big. Uh, We can talk about the Owen Sound game because that's probably the most exasperating day that an OHL team has had In a long time, if not ever, the Owen Sound attack had one rough day on January the 14th. But Kyle, if we look to Saginaw, let's go into this game. You've got a team that has added players, added Owen Beck, added Jorian Donovan, added Aiden Castle. They've made moves. They're a really strong roster already, and they will get stronger. They will gel even better. This was just the second team that some of those new ads, Owen Beck and Aiden Castle and Jorian Donovan, had played with their new teammates. So Saginaw will get better, but it's the level. So the game begins, and Saginaw has this dynamite first shift. They send out Owen Beck on a line, with Josh Bloom, who they had picked up, who's been playing in the American Hockey League and the ECHL. They had signed him. He's a former captain of the Saginaw Spirit who was traded to North Bay last year, outstanding player, and Sebastian Gervais. And they came out, Bloom threw two big checks, and you went, okay, this this is this is the way this game is going. And then Saginaw made a play where Beck got a chance. Michael Simpson made a good save. And you think, wow, okay, th- this, team, this team is coming. And then the Knights went, that's the way you want to play it? All right, we're here for that. They matched that level. They exceeded that level. They started finishing checks. They started making plays. And what was a a great start by Saginaw was just overshadowed by the way that the Knights played. And they just came out, and they just kept going and going, and the level kept rising through the game. And I don't think Saginaw could hit that level, at least not then, not that
0: Friday night. No. And and you know what, Mike, it was a lot of people were asking me the measuring stick game and and how London fared and, you know, what this meant moving forward. And I said, it's good for London. It's I think after the game went on, after that first shift, like you mentioned, you saw one team that was still trying to figure out how to play together. And you saw another team that has been playing together virtually all season long. And they got a big boost back with Kasper Haltonen, who returned from the World Junior Hockey Championships. This was his first game back since playing for Team Finland. He, you know, is, is a big body. He's a big time player on that team. And, you know, when a guy who's been there all year long, when he leaves for a bit, he comes right back in and knows who he's playing with. He knows where he's going. There's certain tendencies that you just remember after leaving for a little bit. Saginaw is going to be fine. Like, let me just point that out. They're going to be fine. They are going to need some time to gel. I remember saying this at the beginning of the season with Michael Simpson and, and, uh, and the London Knights, Michael Simpson through the first month and a bit or so was, was looking good, but it's always different for a goaltender figuring out, how to play in front of a different team. He had been playing for Peterborough for so long. Peterborough plays a very different system than London does. They collapse a little bit more into the front of the net. They leave a lot more of the outside shots and really take away any second and third opportunities. London plays a little bit of a mixed style, in my opinion. And as a goaltender, you have to adjust a little bit. We have seen now Michael Simpson figure out the system and has been dialed in of late uh in terms of his play, in terms of his numbers have steadily gone up and decrease whatever stat you're looking at. And I just think with Saginaw, it's going to take some time, but once they get their line combinations, their tendencies as players, and they kind of figure things out there, they're going to be fine. But London made a big statement showing, even with all these additions, we play as a team, we play as a unit, we come at you in waves and, and it showed because London, despite going up early did not take their foot off the gas pedal, Mike. They were relentless from start to finish in that game.
1: They were. And the other part of this, you can look at Friday. You can look at the Sunday game against the Olin Sound attack. Rick Stedman had the line. So here's the line. I think it's just a lot of unselfishness. Um, Right now, uh, they don't care who gets the goal or who gets the point or which line has the five-point night or which line has the zero-point night. They they just want to win hockey games, and that's why the plays are happening. They're they're not just looking for their shots. They're not trying to beat guys one-on-one. They're using each other, giving goals, and then going to those uh, dirty areas in front of the net to find them. That is London Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman. These guys don't care who's getting the goals. That's not what this is about. Six different goal scorers on the Friday night in the win over Saginaw. You had eight different goal scorers when the Knights scored 10 against Owen Sound. This is not about, I want to get the points. This is about, what does it take to complete a play? And the way that they are winning races to pucks, the way that they are winning the 50-50 puck battles, amazing. Amazing. And you can go out and, and play a game like you played against Saginaw and be physical and, and block all those shots. And that's kind of playoff hockey right there. So why all of a sudden you, you hear fans talking about, wow, that, that was like a playoff game. Because it was. Oh, yeah. Didn't have to be as physical against Owen Sound on the Sunday, but they still were on pucks. You, you didn't see maybe the big hits, but they they were still on pucks. They were still winning those 50-50 puck battles. The, the compete level has risen. So this is where you know who you can count into the mix as contenders as we head into this second half. Who are the teams that show that ultimate compete? And the Knights have it right now. So put them down right on that list of contenders For a championship in 2024, because that compete level is as strong as it is. And, Kyle, I think from the Friday game, we've got to talk about Sawyer Bolton's seven seconds, because I'm pretty (laughs) sure that's what it was. But you look at the impact that his seven seconds in one of his shifts had, where he is coming down right wing, right along the boards and he has the Puck and Jorian Donovan who's an outstanding defenseman team Canada defenseman has one of the most solid builds solid frames for a defenseman he steps up on Sawyer Bolton Bolton ran him over he knocked him down and then Bolton goes and ends up laying a huge hit on Zane Perec and credit Perec I mean this is this is something that Zane Perec is going to have to deal with in terms of playoff hockey He does not have a big frame and he's somebody who is not afraid. He won't back down. Give him credit for that. He will not back down, but ultimately you've got to protect yourself a little bit. You've got to keep yourself out of situations where you're taking as many hits as he did on Friday, just because you're going up against bigger guys. And that's an element to his game that I don't think he's had to even think about before, but now it was shown as exhibit a on Friday night. And then after that hit, Sawyer Bolton was challenged by Sebastian Gervais and and it ended up in a a roughing because nothing much happened. No, because Sawyer Bolton didn't let anything happen. He was ready to go. And Sebastian um, Gervais realized what was about to happen and
0: decided, no, we're not doing this. You know, it's so funny in that seven seconds, Mike, you know, he runs over the first two guys and then squares up for the third. He was ready for what was going to come. And what's even more hilarious about the situation, because uh, the Saginaw player instigated the play. The Knights ended up getting a power play out of the situation. So you get two monster hits, you get a, a scuffle after the math, and then you come away with a two-minute power play. Like just amazing stuff for Bolton and just what an element added into the Knights' line. It's, it's fun to
1: watch. The game within the game, the little things that can matter. And so the Saginaw spirit will go away from that saying, all right, now we've got our measuring stick. That's now the bar. we the level that one of our opponents can play at. And this is the kind of level that you see at the Memorial Cup. And they're going to be there. And that's the kind of level that they know they now have to try and hit. We talked with Isaiah George about Friday's game against the Saginaw Spirit. Here are some of his thoughts on the game. Just a good team game overall. Uh, I thought you like outplayed them in all areas of uh, the game. Uh, you know, showed them, showed we won. Blocking shots, something that's not easy to do. How many you think you blocked on Friday night? I don't know. I don't keep track. <laughs> I know I got got one in the hand there, so at least one at least one the one that you feel in the hand when you get one in the hand is that is that one of the most vulnerable places to take one other than obviously like the face but when when you feel something go off the hand to the foot is that quick check of the body to see how things are going yeah i like the hand and feet if you get no protection there it'll hurt uh i was lucky hit me like right on the padding so just like a little bit of a stinger defending their forwards what's the key to doing that as well as you did uh, like pretty shifty, uh, we're good skaters. So just like being on top of that, um, and just I don't know, just being focused. And I guess finally, the role that you guys are on, and and what's what's been the key to that? Do you think night after night, being able to get to the level you need to be at. I think just playing as a team, being confident and just like having fun out there, I think kind of got into like this winning mindset. And then it's just a lot of fun to be in that mindset and to be winning games. And it's just like we come in with that attitude before games and we execute. London Knights defenseman Isaiah George, who is playing his best hockey. Jackson Edward playing his best hockey. Sam Dickinson playing his best hockey. Alec Leonard playing his best hockey. Uh, Oliver Bog. His best hockey, Jared Woolley. His best hockey, and Henry Brustevich even played a game on D. His best hockey. So there's everybody on defense for the London Knights, and that's one of the other parts of this winning streak. How
0: well their defensemen are playing. It, it's been incredible, and the depth coming into the season. Th- this is why the Knights didn't feel a need to add a defenseman. Like they 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 brought over Brustevich, or you know, before the season even started, but after that. They're looking at their lineup going, well, Oliver Bonk's going to be a top-end guy. Sam Dickinson's probably going to be a top-ten pick in the NHL draft this year. Isaiah George is probably one of the smoothest skaters in all of junior hockey. It's unbelievable watching him skate his way out of certain situations with such ease. It's remarkable. Alec Leonard has just really been a fixture on the back end i've loved him and all jared woolley has done since getting his opportunity is basically played his way into a regular spot on this roster and then jackson edward with just his consistent play of constantly you know he's he's physical in the defensive end he makes life's nightmarish for the the offensive players coming in and you add all of that together and you, you you can see why defensively and the numbers that Michael Simpson is putting up, you can see why it's been so hard to score on the London Knights of late. And not to mention that Oliver Bonk is over a point per game as a defenseman. Sam Dickinson is a point per game as a defenseman. So they're getting offensive production equally as well as the defensive structure they've set in uh, over there. It's it's unbelievable and it's knowing when
1: to go and this team has this sixth sense and you don't see it very often but knowing when to go whether it's the penalty kill whether it's a defenseman joining a rush or pinching in they just they have this sense about when to do it And you see very few odd man rushes back the other way against the London Knights because of it. Because that's the easiest ticket to giving up an odd man rush. Thinking, okay, I'm going to pinch or I'm going to go and things don't work out. But they have this sixth sense. It is outstanding. Let's go to January 14th and the game against the Owen Sound Attack. Boy, the league needed to give the attack some kind of gift. At the end of this game, just something. Here, here's a a free burger. I don't know. Something. What a day for Owen Sound. They end up with a loss to Ottawa on the Saturday night. They have to get up early in the morning to make their way to London. Weather conditions are not good. At one point, their bus slides off the road enough that it gets into a snowbank, has to be pulled out. That's why the game was delayed by an hour. So the trip is even longer. There are whiteout conditions. It's never fun to go through that. Bus drivers need all the credit in the Ontario Hockey League for what they do getting these teams through. They finally arrive. In London, they've got about 45 minutes to get themselves ready. They get onto the ice, and then they end up losing 10-0 in that game. That That is a tough day for the Owen Sound attack. That's about as exasperating as it gets, but it's just showing the way that the London Knights have been playing because they just basically put their game plan down and said here's what we have let's see what happens and next thing you know they are up 10 nothing and michael simpson gets his second shutout stopping 28 shots and kyle in a 10 nothing game he had to preserve that shutout out. have a listen Staying to this out of the penalty box has a breakaway in kicked away by simpson what a save by michael simpson Attack still have the puck. Puck played to the side of the Gora shot and Simpson stops it. Oh, man. 10-0 and Michael Simpson just made two of his best stops of the season. Those are two saves. One on a breakaway. Maddenstein coming down on him. He boots it away. Ken Dryden would have been so proud of that save. That was old school, <laughs> 1970s, 1980s kick save. And then Denny Gore, who is as dangerous as they come, one of the top overagers in the OHL, is all of a sudden at the other side of the net
0: with the puck. And Michael Simpson gets over to make the save. It's it, He's seen the puck so well right now. And this goes back to, I remember a quote in the, I think it was the twenty. 2011 Stanley Cup final between the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. And they were talking to Tim Thomas after the after one of the games he had played where he either gave up a goal or got a shutout. And they asked him what's been going on with his game, why he's playing so well. And he dead looked in the reporter's eyes and said, right now, if I can see it, I'm going to stop it. And that is where I feel Michael Simpson is at right now. He has faced point blank shots with time with the offensive player to do whatever they want to pick their corners to to break a goaltender down and it has not mattered of late Michael Simpson is dialed in you see it when he's making saves with his hands his hands are attacking the puck he's not letting the puck come to him and trying to react his glove is reaching out and snagging the puck he's putting his blocker in a position forward to direct the puck into the corner nothing is really phasing him or he's not having to react and hang in to make a save he is attacking pucks when they are coming his way and he's doing everything in his power to put them exactly where he wants to whether it's pucks in the corner rebound control has been great and then being able to, to limit the amount of, of pucks put back in front of him whether it's glove block you name it. it it's it's been a clinic to watch and yes it was a it was a 10 nothing game and i feel for for owen sound it's not a fun bus ride i have family who's up in the mitchell listwell area and they were planning on coming down to london for the game and they were said we turned around. The roads were so bad. So I commend Owen Sound for even making the trip and being able to come to the game and and showing up for the first little bit. But uh, it's tough when you're going into a barn in London on an 11-game winning streak for the Knights with a goaltender who has been as hot as Michael Simpson has. It was a recipe for disaster for them. It was. And the
1: Knights just took advantage and just kept playing the way that they have been playing. And that's what good teams do. That's it. Caleb Lawrence has fit in seamlessly. He scored a goal against his former team, and that came 57 or 52 seconds after Kasper Haltonen scored in his return to the London Knights lineup, his second game back. And then I think we've got to talk, if we're going to talk about one goal, can it be the Denver Barkey goal where you have Easton Cowan coming in across the blue line? The Knights had had a power play, and they had used – their second unit, basically. And so that allowed Easton Cowan and Denver Barkie to get back together. They haven't been playing together all that much recently. And so they're out there with Jacob Julian and Cowan carries the puck across the blue line, drops to Denver Barkie, and then kind of glides toward the left corner. And Barkie finds Julian on the right side and Julian zips the puck back to Cowan on the left side. Barkie walks into the slot. Cowan finds him that was magical you don't find plays like that how all three of them had to be thinking okay this is the way this is going to play out and all three of them read exactly what was going to happen one of the prettiest plays of the
0: year it was it was special it was fun to watch it was it was just a team in sync it was a team not thinking it was a team up big in a game and just hey let's let's thread the needle and have some fun with this and i think that's what london did because you also noticed you didn't see a whole lot of Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan and Jacob Julian towards the basically end of the second period. And most of the third period, the shifts were very limited. The hunters were, were really going through and playing some younger guys, trying to get them some more ice, but the times that they were on the ice plays like these developed and happened. And Denver Barkey was on the receiving end of just a spectacular passing play and just, showing off the skill of, and the step that Jacob Julian has taken this year, Easton Cowan, obviously a massive jump from last year. And then Denver Barkey, who currently leads the team in points. Impressive. And
1: at that point, the London Knights ended the flyby. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast, but I can't stand. <laughs> I the flyby. I hate the flyby. I don't like, I can get it a little bit in major junior. I can certainly get it if you're 12 or six. I understand but I don't understand National Hockey League teams scoring a goal, celebrating, and then all lining up and going by the bench for high fives. I've never understood this. And so I threw it out on Twitter and it was mixed. I had some people saying, you know, you're taking the fun out of the game. Why don't you just ask the fans to stop cheering? And I get that. I, if if the guy who scores the goal wants to run by the bench and high five, but for everybody to line up, And go by. I go back to 2005. Brendan Shanahan had a talk with the team of the century. The London Knights were the team of the century. And he had basically asked them about that flyby. And and said, you know what you could do? You could just act like this is what we do. This is just business. And head back to center ice. And after the Denver Barkey goal, the Knights started doing that. And of course, it's, it's not to show up the team. It really wasn't that the Knights were trying to run up the score. It was just the way that... The puck was going in. You've got to still play the game. You take your foot off the gas, and next thing you know, injuries happen. Talk to a football coach about that. That's the scariest thing when a game is lopsided, and you can look at your Green Bay Packers, Kyle. What did they do toward the end of the game? They put in second stringers. They put in third stringers because you do not want injury. It's not leaving a guy in, but it's leaving a guy in and knowing you have such a big lead that the foot comes off the gas. That's where you get hurt, you don't want that.
0: No, it, you definitely don't, and you know I I can understand at that point to not wanting to to play your high end guys, but um, going back and, and talking about the flyby. So, as a goaltender, I, I, this thought process has never come through because I'm I was never part of the flyby when I played junior. Right? You just you're there, you're in net. You don't want the other team doing flybys because that means that they put one in on you. But I can see it from both ends. I think just because it's instilled playing hockey at such a young age, it just never really stops and gets to that point. There's certain things that evolve. And I feel like the celebrations and whatnot, you know, I, I, I would, lo- I want hockey to, to have, you know, more, more personality, more celebrations, you know, things like that. And I know that there's some people that may or may not agree to it, but you look at, you look at the two biggest leagues right now in the world in the NBA and the NFL and guys are celebrating, First downs, players are celebrating sacks, players are celebrating an interception. You go to the NBA, it's slam dunks, it's three-pointers, it's certain little things. But there's so much personality and diversity in those leagues that, you know, I feel like having more of it in hockey is a good thing because it allows it to say, hey... Players celebrate, players have personality and do this and that. So I'm kind of for it, but I can understand to a certain extent. Yeah, we did it when we were 12. Why are you still doing it now? Or come up with a different celebration as you mature to the NHL. I can see both sides, but Mike, I got to tell you, as a goalie, I I just stick to my net and stop box. That's all, I, that's all I'm here for. I love the
1: celebrations. I love the <laughs> celebrations. Have celebrations. This one is just the same celebration every time where everybody lines up. I don't get it. One guy wants to go over, do it. But the line up and the high fives from everybody, from everyone on the ice. I don't, I don't know. I've never you want to get under Mike's it.
0: skin. Just do a flyby or bring flybys up, and there you go. <laughs>
1: Never, ever have I understood it, certainly for the NHL level. Even in junior hockey, all right, there's still young players, sure. They've been doing it. They're, they're still looking back to what they did in minor hockey. You get to the National Hockey League and you're doing a flyby? Really? Some of the toughest guys doing a flyby? It never used to happen. So I'll leave it there. If you want to weigh in on it, send me an email, mike at 980 There you go. Jackson Edward, four assists in the game against Owen Sound. Sam O'Reilly, four assists. We are talking with Sam O'Reilly, who is very, very good along the boards. Very, very good at at winning pucks. And he said something really interesting about how he's learned to do that over the years. I think it was a big thing growing up for me. My coaches were really hard on me. So I give a lot of thanks to them for that. Because, I mean, obviously to get to the next level, you got to be good at those little things. But, uh, but yeah, it's just a big part being being trustworthy to get those pucks out when you need to. So so yeah, it's not easy to have coaches who are saying you need to do this. But looking yeah. back on it now, yeah, that's important. Yeah, I think it helped a lot having kind of harder coaches on me, if you can say it as that. But uh, but yeah, kind of just it's kind of just them talking in the real world. Not kind of just being nice to you. So I'm thankful for that when I was growing up. London Knights forward, Sam O'Reilly getting set to play in the top prospects game with Sam Dickinson in Moncton at the end of this month. Now, Kyle, we look ahead. The Knights are on a 12 game win streak, and there was a lot of hype for that Saginaw game. Bring on the hype for Kitchener, Kitchener. It will be in Kitchener on January 19th, a Friday night. And if Knights fans are wondering, well, why aren't they playing in London on the Friday night and in Kitchener on the Saturday, here's the little quick behind the scenes. There are four teams that have major seniority for schedule making. They are Oshawa, Peterborough, Kitchener, London. They've been there the longest. Peterborough's home night, Thursday. Oshawa loves to play Sunday nights at 6.30, 6.05. And so that's when they do that. The London Knights and the Kitchener Rangers both love Friday nights. They both have their home games on Friday nights. So every once in a while, there's that trade of, okay, you, yeah, you guys will come to your place this Friday. You come to our place next year on a Friday. So that's what we have going on. It'll be a Saturday afternoon game at Budweiser Gardens. Get tickets for this. Going into the week, the Rangers lead the London Knights by one point in the <laughs> overall standings. Now, Kitchener will go to Guelph. Knights have a game in hand, so they will have two games in hand once the teams meet. But there are still five head-to-head meetings between the Knights and the Rangers. And the Rangers play with great structure. They have outstanding players. Carson Rakoff has come back from World Juniors and continues to score goals.
0: He's so good.
1: He's wild. And so there's a lot to like about this matchup. Michael Simpson in goal versus Jackson Parsons in goal. There's a lot going on here, so we will preview that later on in the week. The other thing before we go is the Don Brankley London Knights Hall of Fame, and we will have a special podcast featuring all three of the inductees, but they have just come out, so we can let you know that the class of 2024 is Billy Carroll, winner of four Stanley Cups, with the New York Islanders and the Edmonton Oilers, and had a great career in junior with the London Knights. Also, Jim McKellar, former assistant general manager with the London Knights, and a tremendously successful scout with the Chicago Blackhawks, has won two Stanley Cups with Chicago and helping to build those teams that had Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And Mark Mathot, who won the Memorial Cup with the London Knights and had a tremendous National Hockey League career and has now gone on to a career in broadcasting. So you hear from all of them. But little treat before we go, because we had a chance to talk with a Don Brankley London Knights Hall of Fame member, pat Reagan, as we had an extended pregame show waiting for the knights and the Owen sound attack to start as pat talked about the time that he joined the don brankley london knights hall of fame
2: such an honor to be named to the don brankley wall of fame and it's coming up tomorrow and uh, the guys that are getting inducted they're going to really appreciate it and it's quite an honor it's, uh like being a london boy a local and a uh, hometown boy uh it's nice and, and uh london's been our home forever and and uh we got a good hockey team we're well coached we got good goaltending uh, Doyler says we're big and strong and uh, i watch on rogers periodically and always listen to these guys when i'm in the car oh,
1: thank, you. Oh. thank you for that oh. pat take us back to playing at the gardens when you first started with the london knights to be able to pull on that uniform
2: Yeah, Well, I played two years junior B with the Squires, and uh, that was the goal, was to make the big club, and when you made the big club, you had to deal with Branks, and Branks made you earn your respect or pay your dues, and uh, you started at the bottom, and first year I was a rookie, just played 20 games or whatever, and then the next year, we had a real nice hockey team, and we got winning, and mom always says it was the best year of hockey she ever had we lost two games at home all year and uh, uh, being a night something and, and it just carries on and on we've got so much tradition here and well, I guess better day to spend a Sunday afternoon than right here
1: and that year that you're talking about you were 17 but that team that, that was the year you went to Game 8. Dan Eastman scores the winner. You go to the OHL or the Ontario Major Junior Hockey League Championship at that point. Can you take us through any memories you have from the playoffs and that run?
2: Well, I know that the rivalry between us and the Finn Cups and poor Rammer and Marshy fought everybody on their team once or twice at least over the year. But uh, I bumped into, I felt, uh, Tim Coolis who's one of their tough guys. And he said to me, he said, Patty, do you remember I had the breakaway on you in overtime? And I, I really don't remember, but I do remember Dan <laughs> Eastwood tipping that puck in. And he said I tried to go five hole, and, and now that I, he refreshed my memory, I do remember. And he, he missed his breakaway, turned around, went down, scored the winning goal.
0: Could you tell us, about going to the Birmingham Bulls and the young guys that went with you, what was that like? WHA, maybe maybe the last league that, that maybe is forgotten. Uh, what what happened in that league, and what was it like playing there as a young man?
2: Well, I I definitely needed it because I, I grew up here in London, lived at home, and I'd never been away from home. And I I the first uh, first till Christmas, I think I made every rookie mistake that was possible. But John Brophy called me in numerous times and uh, told me the way it was. And he wasn't lying to me, and uh, it worked out well for me. We had a pretty pretty nice team. Paul Henderson was on yeah, that team, and Ernie Wakerly was uh, my partner. And uh, how much he helped me, it just was a great start. It was a good kick start. And uh, I, we were in the south, so Atlanta draft would be the next year. They must have got to see me play a little bit, and Marshy was in Atlanta too. So we spent eight years together, Brad and I, Counton Jr., and i pro and that, so. Uh, but uh, I, I maybe wasn't ready to leave it when I did. I'll be honest with you, but that's hindsight. I, I'm not looking back. We just keep looking ahead.
1: Love it. Pat Ringan joining us. You start with Atlanta, and you're not there very long, and all of a sudden you're moving to Calgary. What was it like to go to a Canadian city and bring an existing team with some really good players to it?
2: Well, uh, I'd like to tell everybody that, the first two teams I played for, Birmingham and Atlanta, both folded. So uh, going to Calgary was refreshing, and you knew it wasn't going to fold there. They're hawking crazy out there. And, uh, you know, you look back on some of your accomplishments team-wise, but firstly, the the one stat I'd like to say is that uh, the Calgary Flames, the first game they won at home, I was in net for. And uh, I didn't know that until somebody told me it, but uh, I kind of like that because... Uh, they, they, what, a, what a storied franchise Calgary's turned into. And uh, I was there for the first one.
0: It's so uh, wonderful to see you. What feelings did you ever think this could happen? When you grew up in London, you played out at the Ice House and Gardens, which was a great facility. But look at this, Pat.
2: Well, we were telling the story, I was telling the story to my granddaughter on the way to here that we used to sell the gardens out, and that was 5,000 people, and they broke every fire law that ever was invented. But uh, I said it would never work down here, and I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> I just where are they going to park, and how are people going to get here? And boom, 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 and, uh, the, and all the restaurants that are doing well. The whole town supports it. You know that. It's yep. just, you know, everybody, and this is a great, you know, what do we got, 8,000, 9,000 here again on a, a snowy, blowy, cold day in January. Pat battery. Reagan.
1: Former London Knight, former National Hockey Leaguer with the Atlanta Flames, the Calgary Flames, Boston, Washington, tremendous goaltender. And that was the goaltender whose record Brett Brochu had to break most wins by a 16 or 17 year old goalie. Pat Reagan had held that from 1976 77 all the way to 2019-2020 when Brett Brochu was able to win a few more games on his way to a stellar OHL career
0: as a, that was a fun record tracking down and and spectacular for how long that stood up for uh for Pat Riggin and just amazing stuff and and what a what an absolute legend and and it, that's a lot of fun having him on the on this show and getting a chance to hear some of his thoughts and stories and it just it's incredible stuff it's i always love going back and when these when these names come out for the hall of fame when you go back and you look at all of their careers not just in junior hockey but what they've done professionally and then moving forward it's 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 fantastic stuff and well deserving from all three gentlemen
1: Well, Kyle, there is an episode in the books, episode 101. And next up, we will be previewing the Knights and the Kitchener Rangers. We'll recap what the Rangers were able to do against Guelph Storm and have a close look at what they have been able to do overall. Pretty impressive season for a team that may be expected to be
0: rebuilding. Far from it. Yeah, you know, they have uh, completely flipped the script in that regard. And these are going to be two marquee matchups, two of five head-to-head matchups remaining in the OHL regular season, separated as of this moment by one point. Knights have a game in hand. We'll see how it all unfolds.